Welcome to Japanese London Living. I'm your host, Vanessa Villalobos, and I'm on a very simple mission to fill life with more Japan in London. I'll be uncovering practical ways to enjoy connecting to Japanese language, mindset, and lifestyle in our everyday lives here in the UK. In this first series, I'll be explaining the six steps of my omoshiroi method to bring language and lifestyle together. Today's show is the fourth in my omoshiroi series, and it's called Delete Your Japanese Learning Apps and What to Do Instead. I'll be talking about the passivity that apps can create. I'll also cover non boring goal setting systems and tactics, as well as talking about whether or not you actually want to speak and write in Japanese. If you are keen to pin down your Japanese learning plan, I'd like to invite you to visit japaneselondoncom playbook. To grab a copy of the accompanying guide. Okay, let's get on with the show. When I lived in Japan, it was in the pre smartphone era. I had a large map of Tochigi City and the whole surrounding area pinned to the wall in my apartment. And I studied the routes to the many different elementary and middle schools I needed to visit. Some of them were quite far away by bicycle. I'd be on my way to school in the morning, zigzagging gingerly along narrow paths between the rice fields, perched on my mama chaddy bicycle, and clutching in my fist a small, damp note for security. On the note had been written neatly in Japanese, not by me. Excuse me, I've lost my way. Where is Chizuka Shogako? If my spoken Japanese was not immediately successful, which was often the case, I could show the innocent victim the note. I'd then be pointed in the right direction and off I'd trundle again. I would breathe a deep sigh of relief when the school I'd been sent to as a visiting English teacher finally materialised hazily in the shadow of the mountains. If I'd had a smartphone back then, it would have been so much easier. I wouldn't have had to attempt to memorize my route from a map. I wouldn't have needed to even ask directions. Or if I did, I could have had this phone speak the words for me um, instead of myself slowly dying inside of acute embarrassment. <laughs> so that would have been amazing. And no, I'm not really serious about deleting our incredibly handy Japanese learning and translating apps. We do have the technology and we should make good use of it. But what I am concerned about is the passivity that the comfort of apps can create. 
it's not always easy to reach your destination, but it sure helps to know where you're heading. I believe that apps take that agency away, taking away the need to actually know where we're going in the first place. I think it's really important to set our goals and then use apps as stepping stones towards those predetermined goals. There is a lot of information available these days about goal setting itself. Um, But today I'm just going to focus on a few key points from a couple of experts, James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, and Mark Manson, author of swearily titled books, including The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F Word. (laughs) Apps encourage passivity, not just in terms of taking away the need to set your own goals, but in terms of the actual Japanese skills that are learned and practiced. Listening, reading and vocabulary building are naturally easier to present through the means of a teaching app or indeed a Japanese textbook. But listening and reading skills are passive skills and of course only one part of communication. The other language skills, speaking and writing, are active skills. That is, they require us to produce something using our own creative uh, faculties. These skills are harder to learn when we're studying by ourselves using the technology of apps. So in this show, I'm going to talk about setting your own goals um, that don't make you bored stiff and the difference between goals and systems, and deciding whether you actually want to speak and write in Japanese. Spoiler alert, you don't have to. Okay, so number one, set your own unique goals for the lifestyle you want. Earlier this year, before I had the chance to work with the amazing copywriter and story strategy coach, Anna Iverson, I wrote a goal-setting planner based on the SMART goal-setting system that I plan to make available on my website for learners of Japanese. If you aren't familiar with it, the acronym stands for Specific, Measurable, action oriented realistic and timed. So I got it out of my files to check because I knew I was focusing on goal setting in this episode. And you know what? It is rubbish. It is so boring that I almost fell asleep reading it. I mean, I honestly do think that the SMART principles of goal setting are great, but my planner was drier than a rich tea biscuit. So, goals are the trunk of the tree, providing a firm centre to all the areas where we will branch out with language learning. We can come back to our central goals as a reference point whenever we wander off on a tangent. 
We want to have ambitious goals that excite us and give our study real meaning and purpose. But conversely, it's easy to set super exciting goals about getting fluent and working in Japan. And we can get carried away with lofty thoughts about all the things that we could figuratively achieve. But here I am reminded of Mark Manson's approach. He asks, What's your favorite flavor of shit sandwich? And does it come with an olive? Okay, that's gross, but it's memorable, right? And what he's saying is rather than exciting, what Uh, considering what kind of exciting success we want, we ought to ask, what kind of pain do I want on the way there? Or in other words, do I want the lifestyle that comes with this quest? So in setting your Japanese learning goals, consider, for example, whether you want your lifestyle to include using flashcard apps such as Anki, To learn hiragana, for example. Do you want to subscribe to the particular learning system of remembering the kanji book? Do you want to include that type of learning in your daily routine? Of course, you might need to try it before you know,、um, but don't be afraid to drop it like it's hot if it's not fun and interesting for you. Number two is knowing the difference between goals and systems. So, again, this is something I didn't fully appreciate until this year、uh, when I started working with my fantastic coach, Ree Justin. She's a coach for、um, busy mums, if you're interested. And I found out that. Using an app which teaches you Japanese is a system, a tactic. Using apps without having set the firm central pillar of goals is a bit like having the branches without the tree trunk. Where do they lead? Once we clearly define the goals to which we're heading, using apps to get there can be a really effective system, a tactic. Systems. And tactics achieve results. They need to be fixed carefully and sustainably into our lifestyles. In this, in an awesome article on goal setting by、G、James Clear, he cites a study which asks people to fill in this sentence During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on. Day at time of day at place. Researchers found that people who filled in that sentence were twice to three times more likely to actually exercise. So we could do that now for our Japanese learning. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of Japanese learning on day at time of day. At place, probably at home, seeing as we're in lockdown.、Um, so, by 
determining our goals and then using study apps on a specific day, time and place can be very effective. Apps are built to demand our attention and train us to include them into our lifestyle. We just need to be sure that we want that lifestyle. For me, at the moment, I don't feel that I can use apps to learn Japanese. This is because it is a particular priority of mine to spend less time on my phone. Um, in fact, I've just bought myself a lovely little lockbox to put it into at certain predetermined times. Um, one big reason for this is because I have young children and I don't want them to see me constantly on the phone. They don't understand that I'm not just playing apps, uh, games, Pac-Man, whatever. And um, I'd rather they see me doing something which is more tangible, perhaps more easier to break off from. Also, I crave the calm that other types of activities, such as reading books about Japan, about Japanese wisdom and ways of doing things, and doing calligraphy, can bring me. Okay, so number three is decide if you actually want to speak Japanese. Speaking Japanese will mean that you need to find Japanese people to speak to. Coming back to the lifestyle question again, is that something that you want to do? Is it something that you can do right now? I remember a colleague of mine, let's call him Barry. He was famous for his ability to clap with one hand. No, really, he could. He had large, flappy hands. And Barry was always to be found droning on, practicing his Japanese with waiting staff in restaurants who were a captive audience and too polite to tell him to stick it. Don't be like Barry. Here are some ways to learn to speak Japanese. A. Restaurants. Respectfully. Remember Barry. B. Join the Japan Society's Bilingual Speaking Club. It meets, currently online, once a month and is a great way to practice speaking and listening in Japanese. C. Sing. Learn Japanese lyrics. I'm going to talk more about this in my next show, so uh, stay tuned if you're interested. D. Find a Japanese study buddy. Try online meetups. E. Watch films, paying particular attention to the dialogue. F. Get a one-to-one -one Japanese tutor. If you're interested in that, get in touch with me and I'll find you your best match for a Japanese tutor here in London. Although I sincerely believe that language is for the purpose of real communication, which involves speaking to other human beings, there is a time and a place for this. You may find that what you're enjoying most of all is learning the Japanese writing system using an app or a textbook. That is absolutely fine. The important point is your intentionality and feeling good about the choices you're making. Four, the last point, decide if you actually want to write in Japanese. 
When I taught in Japanese schools, I was always struck by the calligraphy hanging on the walls in the classrooms. At first glance, the papers appeared identical, the very same kanji or phrase having been inked by the 30-plus students in the class. I wondered at first why they bothered, why such uniformity. But on closer examination, I realised they were, of course, all unique, and that writing calligraphy serves several purposes. Firstly, it teaches penmanship and stroke order. It also teaches the words and phrases themselves. But perhaps most importantly, it's a creative, focused, artistic endeavour with set parameters. It can be intensely calming and satisfying. Calligraphy can be a valuable life skill. Now, learning to write in Japanese really can be quite laborious. Although I've always prided myself on a very nice cursive hand in English, I learned to write in Canada. It's that American style of swirly cursive. Um, My flowing style did not immediately translate to the minute, intricate strokes of Japanese. There's a reason why mechanical pencils are so popular in Japan. They're very precise, rendering tiny, neat lines and can be easily and accurately erased. If physically writing Japanese doesn't sound particularly appealing to you, rest assured you don't have to do it. Many Japanese people rarely put pen to paper these days and instead rely on predictive text functions to find the right kanji. Many Japanese people say that they are forgetting the correct stroke order in the same way that English users forget how to spell words. Um, Others are really put off learning Japanese as they literally just don't want to learn another writing script. It's useful for these learners to know that several Japanese textbooks, such as Japanese for Busy People, um, have beginner levels written entirely in Roman letters, known as Romaji. That is the English alphabet. So you get to decide how far along the road you want to go with your Japanese learning. I sincerely believe that any difference covered is valuable. After all, sprinting and marathons are both valid pursuits. The problem with apps is you can only go so far, but that might be where you want to go, but you need to decide. So I hope you found this useful to reflect on your Japanese learning goals and how far you want to go, whether or not you actually want to speak or read Japanese. If you're serious about learning Japanese and would like someone to point you in the right direction, uh, do get in touch with me, Vanessa, and we can talk about finding you a one-to-one native tutor. Just send me an email at vanessa at japaneselondon.com. 
Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate the kind words and comments I've been getting. And please do stick with me for the next show, which will have more tips about including fun and interesting Japanese in your everyday lifestyle. Yoroshiku onegaishimasu.